With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. It's another Grant Blitz show. And we're here with a familiar face. Before we get to talk to him, though, let's talk about Spotify Green Room, which is a free audio-only social media platform for sports fans, any fans. It doesn't matter. Uh, we are doing a show tonight, which is recording on Wednesday. We do it every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Maybe Derek will, ju- maybe Derek will jump on the show tonight. I've said that every time about our Blitz guests, and I don't think any of them have actually come on the show. But that's okay. Um, it's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> You can talk to me, Scott, and a bunch of other Cats fans and even sports fans of other teams. I think there was a tech guy that jumped in and predicted tech to go nine and three, which was uh, caught all sorts of flack and abuse. But um, it's great. We had Taylor Bratt jump in one day. KSU fan is on there all the time, and um, it's a lot of fun. Derek has been on there before, so um join in on the conversation wednesday night 7 p.m follow scott follow bosco's boys on twitter and you'll see the show link drop at 7 p.m but without further ado uh, if you don't know Derek young he is a recruiting specialist and analyst for k-state online which is rivals and he also covers k-state basketball k-state football in depth Derek, how are you sir splendid splendid oh let's do a beer the pod we haven't had a beer the pod in a long time and it's this this show today is brought you brought to you by Boulevard's Easy Sport, the Rally Ale. I love this beer; it's very good. It's a nice light, four and a half percent, goes down super smooth. It's a beer with tangerine peel and sea salt. It's delicious. Very very summer beer. Very summer. Beer. Very summer beer. It's great. But um, let's just jump into some questions before we get into our blitz formats. And I'm going to let you break down a couple of things. The latest on realignment talk, there's new shit happening every day. Alliance, what does it mean? Blah, blah, blah. You just tell us the latest and we can move on. I don't really think the alliance means anything, (laughs) to be quite honest. And I think that's pretty much the takeaway that everyone had, that there's no signed agreement or documentation. It's just like a gentleman's agreement between three men to basically ensure their own survival. Like, we won't kill each other. Like, that's really what it was. And and the only purpose of it, that the only tangible takeaway you really get from it is that they're just trying to band together to be like a big enough voting block to wield the power instead of it being in the hands of SEC and the ESPN monopoly that they basically tried to, you know, compose when they became partners um, and took uh, took the Sooners and Longhorns away from the uh, Big 12. So that, and to do that, they have to, you know, I guess delay playoff expansion, which I know is annoying because people want more than four teams. I get that. 
But if you tried to negotiate a, an expansion of the playoff before 2025, the, the issue there is that ESPN is the only television provider that can be negotiate, they can negotiate the deal. So if they were to expand the playoff before 2025 and, you know, come up with a new proposal and agree on it. They have to have a television provider or providers to do that with. And ESPN has exclusive rights to the negotiating power of that deal until 2025 as per the current contract. And obviously nobody else outside the SEC wants that to happen because they just see that as SEC and ESPN basically controlling the entire, um, the entire situation, the, you know, the entire scope of the entire thing. So that's why they're, you know, formed an alliance, so to speak. But it really seems like something that could have been done over a phone call. Like, hey, let's uh, let's let's delay this. Okay, cool. And but they felt like they needed to do a publicity stunt instead. Yeah, I mean, right. So the alliance means essentially nothing. Nothing officially was signed. Too many active contracts currently to actually make anything happen at this point in time. Still appears to me that the best course of action for the remaining eight is to expand with two more, four more, et cetera, find the best teams you can, build on this eight-team foundation. I know people are still worried about, you know, one or two people stabbing the remaining eight or six, whatever, in the back. But I just don't see that really happening anytime soon because where the hell is one person going to sneak off to when there's no actual options there? Yeah, that's really the scenario. I mean, obviously things can change on a dime. One league could just, you know, wake up tomorrow morning and be like, you know what, the hell with it. Let's add two teams. Like you can't put that past anyone. But at this point in time, there's just been, well, all of this is financially driven, right? There is no financial incentive out there for anyone really to pluck away any of the remaining eight Big 12 teams. And I know that's hard for each of the fans of all those eight schools to like to come to that conclusion. But that, that really seems to be the, you know, the truth of the matter, the, what the facts on the ground are. Uh, the Pac-12 is apparently, you know, I guess, considering expansion and they'll have a decision like in a week or something like that. It's what the commissioner has said. I, nothing that I've heard on that front leads me to believe that they are going to expand or take any of those eight schools. So like you said, the best course of action, and I think they are, pivoting towards a more we've shared it on the site in the last few days uh, that there is more rumblings now that the big 12 is starting to kick tires and you know turn up the engine a little bit on expansion and which teams out there are you know necessary for them to add and and i think it's possible and i know i said this on our site and it's not really premium information so i'll divulge it here is that i do think it's possible that they could add two schools even before texas and oklahoma officially leave well, that's that. I'm, I'm over talking about recruiting, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I'm sorry, not recruiting. We're going to move into recruiting as that is your specialty. Yeah. I'm tired of realignment. Um, I want to focus on football, but real quick. Let's shift. Slow. Yeah, uh, real quick. Let's shift to uh, recruiting, which is your specialty. If you want to touch broadly on the latest K-State football recruiting, the floor is yours. I don't have yeah. any specific questions, but you may touch on anything that you would like to. I mean, there's a a few prospects. I mean, they, it wasn't a month ago that they added a very, one of my favorite prospects of the entire cycle and John Pastore, the offensive lineman from Erie, Colorado. He's one of the best offensive line recruits we've seen um, in the past couple of years. So that was a huge pickup. And I don't think that was a month ago even. So uh, that's fairly recent. And I think they're still waiting on some tangible targets, such as, you know, the Kansas city receiver, Moody Rubin, who's kind of a fan favorite and everyone 
hoping that one goes their way. And it still could. It'll probably depend on how hard Stanford pushes between now and signing day. And then Jordan Perry is a safety prospect from Georgia that they really, really, really like. And um, they thought maybe that one would have a conclusion by now, and it hasn't. So the the problem with it is and why we're kind of a little bit in a standstill in, in Kansas State, certainly not the only remaining Big 12 school in this predicament is that they don't have great answers. I mean, they're, they're, they're still saying, hey, we're still going to be a power five school. And I think every school is saying that or that they can say, you know, Texas and Oklahoma aren't leaving until 2025. So this doesn't necessarily affect you all that much anyway. So they can say that. And I think those schools are saying that and it'll work here and there, but it won't work on a broad basis. And so just not having firm answers. It's not that the answers are bad which they could be. But even if the eight stick together and add schools, it's not a terrible situation. The problem is that they don't have any answers at all. No firm answers. Not like, hey, this is our league. This is how many schools we're going to have, and this is who you're going to play and where you're going to play. That's the problem. The uncertainty, just no answers at all. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to drag out until it, it doesn't. So um, let's get to the meat of these questions, the most important part that I really want to hear. Give us a rundown on the new concessions at K-State. What all did you try? What was the best of everything that you tried? I tried the bacon-wrapped corn dog. Um, yeah, so they have new the, – this is the Shamrock Zone, the new, the new okay. uh, part – yeah, the new part of the stadium where they're going to have these concessions, I believe. I'm not sure it's going to be throughout the stadium. I think it might just be in the Shamrock Zone. Got it. But there was also – so I had the, the bacon wrapped corn dog, the bacon and Mac burger, which is really good. That was, I like that more than the bacon wrapped corn dog, to be quite honest. Bacon wrapped corn dog is pretty good. And Flando tweeted this out, and, and I'll put it a little bit gentlier than he did. <laughs> but 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 it's a lot of sodium, so you're going to have to have a good good glass of water with it. Um, but it's, it still tastes good. The bacon and Mac burger is just very delicious. It fills you up, too. They cook very well. Um, I had a few of the e-machos, obviously it's just nachos, and but you can get it with a brisket, chicken, steak, all different kinds. So the versatility in that's kind of kind of fun, but it, I would say it's typically your standard nachos. Um, <laughs> but the cheese that they they really like using pimento cheese on a lot of the stuff. Mm. So but that that's like the thing. They also have like a, a pimento cheese sandwich that they put. Uh, and I forget what it was with. And then there's a fried bologna sandwich that they put pimento cheese on. Um, and I didn't have that, but I saw Mitch Fortner actually got the fried bologna sandwich. And I was thinking about it because I, I haven't had fried bologna in a while. And it's one of my favorites, but uh, that thing is thick too. That's about a half inch to an inch thick of fried bologna. So you're going to, you're going to get filled up on that as well. I would stay far away from the bacon wrapped uh, corn dog. I think corn dog is a type of, thing that doesn't need any alterations i think it's great as it is and also i feel like bacon i think it's super overrated and it only belongs either solo no, see, or in some I'm, very specific things i disagree i'm like the backwards of you like i'm all in on bacon mostly turkey bacon because i'm kind of a you know i don't want to be a little bit of a health snob there so mostly turkey bacon but i don't like corn dogs but i just thought i had to have it anyway uh, there was also a Fried peanut butter and jelly, I think, was uh, up there too, which is an interesting thing. I'm allergic to peanut, so I didn't obviously uh, partake, but I I heard it was raved about quite a bit. I'll have to check that out. So, how did the Shamrock Zone look, just generally, and how does the oh, uh, it's, it's, South it's End fantastic. Zone look? 
No, I love it. I, I wish the outside looked a little different. Like, you know what I'm talking about. It was, it's kind of bland, like the doors yeah, and windows, yeah. right? Um, that are facing the stadium, but inside it's, it's magnificent really. Um, and they have a, this above the concession stand, like oh, there's all like a wall area still above the concessions and it has like, like the evolution of the logos. I don't know if you've seen that. Like it has, like I saw a picture of that six today, or seven. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I, I think yeah. that's a nice touch. All right. So we're about 10 days out when this drops, it'll be, I think on Friday, which will be just about a week away. What's your overall vibe going in, going into game week? Are you high on the fellas? How you yeah, feeling? high on the lads. How about that? Um, I, no, like I think, I, no, to be honest, like I, I'm at the point, and maybe this is dangerous territory to feel this way, but I'm at the point where I'd be kind of surprised that they lost this game. For, to be quite honest. Ooh, do you have any wood nearby that you may knock on? I'll do it for you. I will do it for you. That makes me nervous. I am to the point where I'm. I mean, I always am kind of a pendulum back and forth, but today, I'm not. See, today it's been extreme. I'm so nervous for Stanford. But oh, okay. Uh, tomorrow I'm, I'll not be a, I'm not a pendulum guy. I'm like a climbing a mountain guy. Like early in the summer, I'm like, eh, I don't know about this season. But by the end of summer, end of uh, preseason camp, three days out before the season, I'll probably be predicting like an undefeated record. Like I, I just continue to ascend. Like I also get, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit in that camp too because like the closer we get to the season, that blind optimism really starts to take hold. And mm-hmm. I mean, I do think though, there's something about this team that they might have a little bit of the magic. There's just yeah, kind of seems like a combination of leadership and talent at certain positions that I think it could be, it could happen, but. I got a very good gut feeling. I actually wrote something today where I predicted and I actually feel confident. I'm like convicted in it. Nine and three is what I want with. I and, will. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe you dream a little bit more than that, but like, I don't know. I feel good about nine and three. I've said previously just even twice in the last like two weeks that I wouldn't take nine and three. I know that's crazy, but it's just because like, if this is it, then it's like, I want to roll the dice and dream bigger, but in all seriousness, like the last year of Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Right. Uh, In all seriousness, I I would obviously, (laughs) if I would take nine and three right now and, um, I mean, I think that gets you, you're not going to, I would feel, yeah, I would feel a little bitter about it. If the if the schedule like cooperated a little bit more, like I hate that it's so front loaded because, but if you can, I, they need to get out of there four and two, um, the first six games, four and two has to be the goal. It couldn't be beneficial though, seeing those bigger teams early. Um, I mean, obviously it works both ways. K-State is, uh, playing them at the same time of the season also early when they're not maybe in their stride but if you catch Mm -hmm. Oklahoma early in Manhattan Spencer Radler hasn't really played in front of the big crowd before first true road game for the freshman is he still technically a freshman I don't know but um I don't know I I just I feel like we've got the magic I don't think they got the magic I think we could oh I don't know about that but I'm saying this could be like a year yeah in Arlington that wouldn't shock me I got them beat in Iowa State. That's what I would love it. All right. We're going to jump into these blitz questions, which are going to be a little bit more straightforward, hard line. I'm going to need some specific answers. But before we do, Spotify Green Room, folks, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Follow Scott, Wildcat, or Bosco's Boys, and we will drop the link from those accounts. You could talk with other Cats fans. Derek's going to join tonight. You could talk to him too. And uh, it's great. Talk about the Cats with other Cats, and uh, every once in a while, you'll. 
you'll get to talk to pretty cool guests. So join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Spotify Green Room, free to download. All right, we're going to jump into these blitz questions, starting with the offensive side of the ball. Who's going to be your MVP? You can say Deuce or Skyler, but that's boring. I want you to pick one outside of that, too. I, as, I and when I say two, I mean as well. So I want you to give me your true MVP and then your MVP outside of those two players. MVP, Deuce. I was like Deuce Vaughn. Outside of those two, give me Malik Moles. I think Malik. It's got to be Malik because he just changes. With, with yeah. Malik playing well, he just changes the entire ceiling of the offense. Yeah, and to be honest, sometimes he doesn't have to play well. He just has to be out there and he opens yeah, it up yeah. for the rest of the offense. So, All right, let's go to the other side of the ball, defensive MVP. Defensive MVP, other side of the ball. Uh, and that, that's a little bit more challenging a question. I'm going to say – I mean, I bet Timmy Horn's probably a popular answer, isn't he, Is it on these? Uh, I've gotten a lot of Julius Brents. I've gotten oh, or not. see, I'm you know what you know what my you know what my instinct is. The most important player on the defense is probably Daniel Green, but the MVP I'll say actually Echo Boydo. Okay, I like it. I I lean towards a player in the trenches. Uh, I just feel like they can affect the game so deeply. Um, yeah. you know, Duke and if Timmy Horn has a big year. But if they how impressive is it that he's a captain already? He's, he hasn't even been there a year. He seems like a really likable guy. Yeah, dude, he is charismatic as hell. Um, who's going to be your defensive surprise? Surprise on the defense, man. That's even tougher um, <laughs> because that, because we get such good access that it's actually yeah. hard to qualify what a surprise might be. Um, maybe to the common fan that isn't as diehard and robustly into it as we are. Maybe one of those defensive ends, Felix on a DK or Nate Matlack. Derek called himself a fan. We're going to move in to the next question. <laughs> Go back to the offensive side of the ball. Looking at the youth, who's going to be your young breakout player? It's got to be a freshman or a sophomore um, eligibility with at, who hasn't made any major impact on the team yet. Does Joe Irvin count? Cause that's a pretty easy one. I think. Um, I, I, yeah. Need. I think Joe Irvin counts. Um, we've also, I mean, we have seen Joe Irvin play football and be fairly effective. He played three games, extent. true freshman year. Yeah, he, but, he, played, he was decent against KU and Bowling Green. But I think um, Joe Irvin is going to have, like, a fairly large impact this year. So. No, he's gonna, I think he has a considerable role. And fans, here's the thing. And I'm not trying to like run anyone down here, but man, everyone really just full the flocks to Jacartier, right? And I get it because maybe he's it's a little bit of a sexier style to to this breed of fan. I can't stay where you like that physical downhill, like I'm gonna plow you over and make which you is say interesting, which is interesting because really, I mean, the best backs in our history have been guys that are probably undersized and more agile type of players. I mean, Daniel yeah. Thomas, arguably the second best, or honestly, could be considered the best running back to play at K State. Darren Sproles is probably on, better. <laughs> I'm I was throwing Scott a fucking bone there. Let's be honest, because <laughs> um, he loves Daniel Sams and he likes to make that comparison. But yeah, obviously it's Darren Sproles. But I mean, we haven't really seen a, a guy. Yeah. We haven't seen a guy like Daniel Thomas 
you know, that downhill, big physical runner, Josh, Scobie, we, got, back we, got, in we got, we got, we got robbed of uh, Mike McCoy. We did get robbed of Mike McCoy, but I'm trying to think like just historically, I mean, maybe Eric Hicks in, in 1998, but I don't know. I mean, the guys that come to but, mind, at least yeah. in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And, are, maybe, and maybe that's why people will flock to Jacardia, right? Cause they want that. Cause they don't, they haven't really gotten it. I think so they'd that, like they, to see a guy with his body type. Um, I just, I just think Jordan is makes more sense. I actually think he's higher up in the depth chart, pecking order, and is I've probably def- yeah. the most considerable one. I, I, I bet, and I, and I'll stick to Joe Irvin, but I bet I can imagine that Keenan Garber is probably a pretty popular answer for this question too. Um, hasn't been a lot of Keenan Garbers, at least in my recordings, but um, yeah, I agree. I, I've come off of Jacardier right not. Not to say that I don't expect anything from him, but just there's too much praise for Joe Irvin for me to think that Jacardier is really even close to where he is. But here's the thing: like Jacardier Wright's still very, very young, so I think. Well, he could have a he could still I mean, have a strong career. Like and, he's and, and all, now we're he, hearing about DJ Giddens too. Exactly. <laughs> so, and you know they've said plenty of positive things about Jacardier Wright um, this offseason. So I think he'll have a role too, and it kind of depends on him how far he goes. So. But still, fuck, they're all freshmen. It's crazy. But let's go to the other side of the ball now. Young defensive player, freshman or sophomore, who's going to make a major impact? Well, I could probably say the same one as I did the last time, right? Nate Matlack really makes – man, they're they're saying his name a lot right now. So I really think the light's coming on for him, and he's one of those, like, you know – what you would call like those prototype defensive ends, those, you know, sexy six foot five long arm, like burst off the edge fast. Like Buddy Wyatt raved about him on two, probably 10 days ago. <laughs> or well, I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but it's a while ago. Buddy Wyatt was <laughs> raving about Nate Matlack. Um, so I would say Nate Matlack is my choice, but Amaris Brown's going to play a lot too. So that's probably a good answer as well. But Nate Matlack's my choice. Yeah, I would say Morris Brown on a DK. I love hearing Nate Matlack. I'm very excited about his future. Kansas City. Um, Kansas City boy, Yeah, yep. super excited about him. All right, this is one of my favorite questions. What's the pendulum game of the year? Swing game of the year. I've, I know we actually um, I think did an I just, article on this. Yeah, yeah. just saw that. So, uh, it was pretty split, I think. There was probably multiple answers, but the one I gave, and I really feel convicted about it, is Nevada. I really think – I know that people are like, not even a power five opponent. What, what, what the hell are we thinking here? But Nevada's the toughest non-conference opponent on the schedule this year, and there's a very good chance they're going to be top 25 at the beginning of the uh, – when they play Kansas State because they're going to probably beat Cal, and, and they play them in week one or week two. So they're probably going to be undefeated with the win over a power five team already. And going to Kansas State as a top 25 team with a pro prospect, at quarterback, and a, wide, and a pro prospect, a wide receiver, and a pro prospect on the offensive line. I mean, they might have more guys ready to go to the NFL draft next year than Kansas State. Um, and that's not hyperbole. So this is a very good team. It's kind of scary. And we'll just think about it this way. You lose that game. You don't go 3-0 in the non-con especially if you lose to Stanford, hypothetically, right? But let's say you beat Stanford even. So hypothetically, you lose to the Nevada, you're two and one, and you're staring down the gauntlet of maybe the three toughest teams in the Big 12 right off the bat and could be two and four. You have to find a way to, to defeat Nevada. Just for perception purposes, you don't want to lose your Power 5 status and lose to a team that's not in Power 5 the, like a couple months later because that doesn't look great. 
But the fact that it's a top 25 opponent at home and it's right before that gauntlet in the Big 12 where you're playing Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, back to back to back. That's a really, really good answer. You're the first one to say that in my blitz shows. And, uh, I mean, I don't think you're crazy to say Nevada. There's been plenty of talk about Nevada in the offseason, how people are, you know, scared of them the most in the non-conference game. I personally haven't got given them much thought simply because we play Stanford first. And it's like, I just want to get over that hump. You know, we're on a five-game losing streak. I don't know what this team really is. And that opening game, anything can happen. And it's in Dallas. And it's just, I have an atrocious record when I travel the game. So I'm just nervous for Stanford generally. But um, in losing that opening game would just be so goddamn devastating. But that's a great but, answer. And, and if they did lose that opening game, then the Nevada game becomes even more critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that answer. I haven't thought of it that way. I mean, you lose you would just lose so much momentum after starting two and O and thinking, Oh wow, yeah. this could be the season. And every and, smart football person I know that like covers college football, not like just locally, like I do, like I'm just can't stay just like widely spread. Like they just cover college football as a sport. They will tell you Nevada is better than Stanford, like to a T no one thinks that Stanford is better than Nevada. This year. I don't know shit about Nevada other than they have a good quarterback they didn't play anybody last year, so I don't. I, I just haven't given them too much credence. I will when it's game week, and I'll be shitting my pants. But yeah, and we did a preview on them already, and, and credit to KSU underscore fan for helping us out on that stuff, like he does all the time. But it's interesting some of the you know uh, overlaps between Jay Norvell, the head coach in Nevada, and Kansas State. Jay Norvell was. Uh, a graduate assistant under Bill Snyder when Bill Snyder was the office coordinator at Iowa. We coached for Hayden Fry. Jay Norvell played um, at Iowa too. But interesting enough, Jay Norvell is an offensive-minded coach. He got got his um, coming up as an offensive coordinator, but he actually played defense in, in college. So he's one of those guys, rare guys, to actually flip to the other side of the ball as a player to a coach. So he was a linebacker that became an offensive coordinator. All right, so Nevada is the pendulum game for you. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to make it through, but I'm interested to see how you think we're going to make it through the final final record. We've played 12 games. What's K-State's final record? I, I like, uh, We touched on it earlier. I've been nine and three. Um, I love it. I, I love I get, it. I get through the, get through the non-conference unscathed at 3-0. You tripped up a little bit by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I, like, I'm not really crazy about Oklahoma State, but for some reason I just have a hard time seeing a win in Stillwater. And I or think, do. That, yeah, but the people, well, they won in Stillwater in 2017, so it's not necessarily do. That was when Skylar upset a top 10 team on the road, and they had so many people out. It was not expected to win that game. Byron Pringle had a big game, too. Um, but so they won in 17, lost in 19. I, I just, it's hard to see Dub in Stillwater in 21. And plus, Stillwater's, Stillwater's a little of a pissed off place right now. I think every home game in Stillwater this year is going to be. A madhouse, especially when Bedlam is there um, Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, they're going to want to send the Sooners off in a very <sighs> unspeakable yeah. fashion. But they, but then I have Kansas State after getting tripped up first two Big 12 games, beating Iowa State. Um, I'm one of those people, and and maybe wrongly, have a hard time giving them the respect that they maybe deserve. Like, it just it's hard to look at them as the number seven team in the country, and I refuse to do it. Like, show me again, I guess. That's where I'm at with Iowa State. Um, Spoken like I, a man that's covered Iowa and Kansas State. Yeah, right. And then, <laughs> uh, um, then I, you know, I forget who's after that, obviously. But the the, the third loss, 
is for me is actually a home game. I just I think TCU catches them for some reason. I have a weird feeling about that game, but then you finished finished the year with four straight wins, including beating Texas on the road um, on Black Friday. I would take that. I would probably have to take that. I would love to beat Texas on Black Friday. I would love to beat Iowa State. I love that the game's on Black Friday too. Like I'm That's excited be awesome. about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's gonna be great. Uh, but it's man, it might kind of ruin my Black Friday, which is I don't it really could, ever do yeah, anything. I don't know, but I'm pretty excited. Like you know, screw Texas and what they've done like that. Like obviously Oklahoma's getting a free pass somehow in, in ways for what's happening. Cause everyone just blames Texas, but we all know like Texas is Texas. Like this was probably they're doing, you know, Oklahoma's like, yeah, we're not, we're along, we're along for the ride. I'm going to screw Texas, but I am, but as much as I'm, you know, F Texas right now, Austin's really fun and spending Thanksgiving in Austin. I can think of worse things. Austin is fun. I'd love, well, I guess that's it. I'm probably never going to go to a game in Austin again, which is sad, but. Uh, the traffic there is terrible. So you could just like, if, if you don't want to get sad about it, be like, oh, I don't have to deal with Austin traffic. It's one of the worst city, city traffics I've ever experienced. All right. So back to realignment to, to cap the show off in 2022. What does the conference outlook look like for Kansas State? I think the, the eighth I got plus four eventually. Um, what for, man, that's anyone's guess. Uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm not an expert at knowing which ones are attractive for which reasons, but you'd have to think like it's going to come from a group that consists of Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, Memphis, maybe USF. Who would BYU, you add if you had to add four State. teams? Who would you add? Say four. Like, like I, I've heard that they're a real pain in the ass to deal with, which is not surprising because of their BYU. religious affiliations with BYU <laughs> because yeah. they do bring a larger following and probably more money. So, but I just heard like, you have to, like, I've heard that like, yeah. you don't even get to deal with the BYU administration. You have to deal with the actual Mormon church. Like they control that school. <laughs> so, yeah. but I would add BYU and I would, I think Cincinnati, you, you would think would bring some, you know, some pep in the step UCF. Um, that's the second biggest undergraduate university in the entire country. So, yeah. um, again, they have a solid football tradition now for one reason or another, right? Scott Frost, Josh Heupel, oh, and now, now those coaches are gone, and now it's Gus Miles on. Like, they just have good coaches somehow. And even though if they leave, they're not good coaches anymore because Scott Frost really sucks. But uh, so, yeah, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF. The fourth one's hard because I, I want to say Houston – because you, you're bringing in that large market too. But, man, you might – I don't know how well-received that will be by Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor to bring in another okay. – they'll, they'll probably, they probably push for, like, Memphis or Colorado State. Remove Baylor, add Houston, and then add Memphis. How about that? I mean, yeah. can we make Memphis get a new stadium? That thing is – I know. <laughs> I don't really want to add Memphis either. But uh... – like, <laughs> Like Liberty the Liberty Bowl, Bowl. <laughs> like it, you went to the, I've never been to Vanderbilt. You went to the game at Vanderbilt, right? In 2017. Unreal. So, so what stadium's worse? Like Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Okay. So <laughs> much worse. It's worse than the Liberty Bowl? So oh much my God. So much worse. It's like so dated. I mean, there's absolute, there was like one old scoreboard, I think from like 1960. And I mean, it was just ancient. Fucking at the Liberty Bowl, we didn't even have internet in the press conference room. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Liberty Bowl's really bad too, but I would say Vanderbilt. And maybe the, maybe that, but I don't know. I haven't had a good, we haven't had a good experience in Liberty at the Liberty Bowl either. 
So mm, I was going to say, I, mean, I, had, I had a good week. I got drunk on Beale street quite a bit. So I had a decent <laughs> week, but, uh, well, so, you know, okay. Nashville is better though. I mean, honestly, it is, but, uh, okay. Which one's worse. So I can kind of like envision it like KU Memorial stadium or Vanderbilt. They're pretty similar, but I would say Vanderbilt. Like they're it's very worse. similar. Vanderbilt's yeah. definitely worse, but like that, they like have very similar vibes. Old, yeah, see, I never horrible I never shit. And the, and the only Big Twelve school I haven't been, the only Big Twelve football stadium I haven't been to is West Virginia. Yeah, I mean they're they're essentially the same stadium, just kind of like directionally reversed, KU and Vanderbilt, but they're both atrocious um that's all i got for you today though derek thanks for coming on you're always welcome um you guys can find him at kstate online you need to subscribe if you haven't already best place to find uh in-depth kstate sports coverage up-to-date recruiting coverage um message boards if that's your thing but uh derek thanks for coming on tell the people where to find you how to find you on twitter and uh what's what's in the cards next i think you already gave us the good good stuff on the site on twitter the young rivals but um uh, I don't really like social media, but I'm on there. You got to be. I don't like I it mean, either, but you got to yeah, be. Okay. I think you like, sometimes you like it too much. I think that's your problem. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, Derek, thank you for coming on. Folks, that's it. Join us Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Spotify Green Room. Downloaded. It's for free. Great time. We'll see you. Meet me at the Cathead. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the Podcast Network.